This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, the reviews are mixed from Alabama's congressional members when it comes to the debt ceiling deal that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is touting. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville called it a terrible deal and said that he intends to vote no on it should it make it over to the Senate. Tuberville says the deal does not cut spending and still includes the funding of 87,000 new IRS agents, which Kevin McCarthy has promised in the past to remove as the newly elected Speaker of the House. I know the night is late, but when we come back, our very first bill will repeal the funding for 87,000 new IRS Alabama Congressman Robert Adderholt says he's not happy with the bill either, but it is a step in the right direction and that he will be voting for it. Adderholt says this type of bill is the reality of the U.S. being a divided country, and if Republicans were in total control of Congress, he would expect more. Alabama Senator Katie Britt is reviewing the documents and says the country's future depends on getting spending under control. The national debt currently stands at $31.8 trillion. And former Alabama Congressman Mo Brooks is encouraging current Republicans in the U.S. House to not vote for the debt ceiling agreement. Brooks took to social media to point out that the so-called compromise that McCarthy reached with Joe Biden raises America's debt by $4 trillion in two years. Brooks has repeatedly called members of Congress from both parties debt junkies. He says they like inflation and look forward to dangerous national bankruptcy as they continue to consider the American voter as dumb when it comes to what is inside this deal. There is a push for state legislators to pass a bill that puts further safeguards on phones for minors. HB 298 is the Protection of Minors from Unfiltered Devices Act. The bill would require phone manufacturers to turn on the already built-in filter before any phone is sold. It would block access to adult content. An adult over the age of 18 can then decide further whether to remove that filter or leave it on the phone if it's going to their child. The bill would apply to all smartphones, tablets, and smartwatches. The executive director for the Eagle Forum of Alabama, Becky Gerritsen, held a press conference in Montgomery on Wednesday morning asking the Senate leadership to put this common-sense bill on the agenda before the session is over. State Senator Dan Roberts is in support of this move from Gerritsen, saying the Senate has already issued a resolution declaring pornography a public health crisis here in the state. Others have also joined Gerritsen in this public call, including a board member of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, Malia Stevens, Eric Johnston, the president of the Southeast Law Institute, and Greg Davis, the president of the Alabama Citizens Action Program. Davis says this is a moral issue that we should protect our kids from early exposure to pornography. Another organization in Alabama is labeling the state as hostile towards the LGBTQ agenda. The director for the Human Rights Campaign is not happy with Governor Ivey after she signed into law a bill that prohibits transgenders from competing in collegiate sports programs that are not in line with their gender at birth. Camarion Anderson Harvey who is the director of the Human Rights Campaign, says that Governor Ivey is actively taking part in a systemic attack on LGBTQ people, and she also called the state lawmakers extremists. The bill does go into effect on August 1st of this year. A judge in Autauga County has issued a temporary restraining order when it comes to a registered sex offender being housed in a mental health facility in Prattville. 
A Jefferson County judge is apparently the one who approved the transfer of Tyrone Bennett to this facility. However, Autauga County District Attorney C.J. Robinson told WSFA News that the facility is too close to schools, daycare centers, and places where children gather. Robinson says that he also has documentation that the facility in Prattville is not secure, with at least 20 documented times that people have walked off the campus unsupervised. He says it's not appropriate for housing a sex offender. And here is more of the conversation that the Daily Detail had with Matt Clark, the president of the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty, where we discussed the potential changes to the bar exam for attorneys, where questions would reflect diversity, equity, and inclusion ideology. I could understand the desire to bring in maybe more minorities or uh, more women or so on and so forth into into this field that maybe has been dominated by one particular ethnicity or, or gender. I understand that. Well, wouldn't it make sense to go to the original source? What is potentially the problem for why people of, let's just say, a minority aren't able to t- to pass the current bar exam? Uh, maybe there's some, some issues with time. They're working a, a, a job in order to pay for things. And so the, the help would be on that end leading up to the test, helping them acquire the same study time and skills and habits that the successful lawyers are, are having. So it's it's almost like they're not really trying to get to the source of it. It's, it's just a gloss over. It's like, we just want to show our outcomes to be a certain way, but we're not really going to the source or we're really trying to solve a problem here. Yeah, agreed. And I think there are two points, you know, on that that are uh, worth mentioning. Number one, like I believe that you know a minority uh, can you know it can pass the bar exam and, and become a lawyer just as easily as you know uh, somebody that you know might be like a you know a, a white male. Might. I, you know, I, I don't believe that because, you know, somebody, somebody's color or because of their sex uh, that they're disadvantaged. Um, you know, one, one guy that I think would absolutely share that view is uh, Clarence Thomas, you know, for, who for a very long time was the only black justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, you know, he, he took it, uh, he, he was very offended at the notion that, um, you know, because he was black, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party in particular believed that, you know, they, he needed them to prop him up in order to succeed. Instead, he just kind of wanted a fair shot uh, at the playing field. And if he got that, he was completely content succeeding on his own. So I share that vision. I, I think the, the system ought to be colorblind, and and it is. Um, so as long as you're not trying to do things that actively discriminate against people to keep them out, I, I, think, I think it's a fair system. Uh, and the other part of that, too, is that for a, a lot of minorities that get in, they are very aware that people could perceive them as being there only because they're a, a, a minority or, um, you know, because they fall within, you know, one of these uh, race or sex-based classifications. So for many of them, and, and Justice Thomas talks about this too in his autobiography, uh, when he was nominated on the U.S. Supreme Court, it was very important for him to uh, get a straight answer from the Bush administration. He wanted to know, am I being nominated because of, you know, because you think I make a good Supreme Court justice or am I being nominated just because I'm black? Mm. And, you know, for, so I think a lot of people that are, you know, hardworking minorities, hardworking women, hardworking you know, everything else, they carry that, uh, that, that mindset thinking people, this could backfire on me and people could take me less seriously, presuming that I got in just because the standards were watered down. I don't want that. I want to stand on my own two feet. I want to be respected because of who I am and because of the work that I do. Many people want that. And I'm afraid DEI is going to backfire and hurt those folks. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news. 
The vote was 314 in favor of and 117 opposed to the bill that suspends the debt ceiling of $31.4 trillion for the U.S. government. The U.S. House made the vote on Wednesday night. The bill now heads to the U.S. Senate with the goal of reaching the president's desk before a Monday deadline for the government to start paying its bills. 71 Republicans were adamantly opposed to the bill. However, 165 Democrats did back the measure, crossing over and giving it passage. The current margin of majority control that Republicans have in the U.S. House is 222 votes to 213 Democrat votes. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley confirmed today in a statement that contempt of Congress charges are underway against FBI Director Christopher Wray. The reason that the House Oversight and Accountability Committee is taking these steps is due to the fact that Wray has yet to produce a document that was subpoenaed months ago by that committee. On Wednesday of this week, Wray finally admitted that the FD 1023 document does exist in regards to the Joe Biden bribery scheme with a foreign national that would have been in exchange for favorable foreign policy policy when Joe Biden was vice president. However, Ray has still not sent a copy as requested by Chairman James Comer. Instead, he has said that the documents are viewable at the FBI headquarters for any member of Congress who wants to go there. Also happening on the same day, CBS News started reporting on whistleblowers from within the Department of Justice who have gone to Senator Grassley to confirm that there was an irregular handling of evidence and standard investigation deviations when it comes to Hunter Biden and his business practices. One of the whistleblowers said that any derogatory evidence related to Hunter Biden would be labeled by the FBI as disinformation, whether it was verified or not. This so-called disinformation would then be siloed into highly restricted computer systems that are not easily accessed by FBI investigators. CBS News asked for a response from the FBI regarding the whistleblower claims, and they were told no comment. And over in Europe... The World Health Organization continues its assembly and efforts to bring forth a global government through healthcare policy. These policies are being passed by the leadership in their yearly meeting. Now the WHO has a new dictator and tyrant that they can get advice from on using healthcare as a control mechanism. That's because the WHO has voted to allow North Korea to join the WHO executive board. North Korea's Dr. Yong Min Pak will have a term that lasts until 2026. The communist dictator state of North Korea will now have a hand in shaping the WHO's agenda and policies. The South Korean Foreign Ministry and Health Ministry both said that they are deeply saddened to see this move, calling into question how North Korea can be approved based on their constant disregard for any directives coming from the United Nations, not to mention their record of human rights violations. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. If you are enjoying The Daily Detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of The Daily Detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 